the Hall of Fame is a funny thing. And I'll ask our first lady to get ready, and maybe we'll do a countdown from 10. So we'll go 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. This is the Scarpelli, I'm the son! Please, I'm the guy you fucked over and I'm the guy you fucked. And for weeks now, you've been begging me to take a trip back to the other side. Wait, that's my favorite Aerosmith song. To take a trip back to 19... Uh, 88, that's when my favorite Aerosmith song came out. Actually, you want me to go back to 2008, because that's when Chris Jericho and Shawn Michaels didn't count. And for some reason, you think they did. So you assigned me <laughs> Unforgiven 2008. I called in sick last week to avoid it, but today I, I studied it, Felides. It's crazy, because to me, this pay-per-view is the reason I stopped watching wrestling. Now, bringing it up to you, I feel like I'm going to be defending it, because... Although I turned my back for over a year and a half on the WWE and on wrestling in general, this is, I, I look back at it and go, what a time in wrestling. Shelton Benjamin had blonde hair. This is an incredible time in wrestling. You better defend it, because if you don't, I will, ladies. In the words of Matt Stryker, <laughs> the championship scramble concept revolutionized as Unforgiven tonight. Oh, and did it ever. This was more revolutionary than the Inferno match back in 1998, 10 years after my favorite Aerosmith song came out. <laughs> well, in my favorite Aerosmith song, I'm not sure. I think I'd have to go with something off of Pump, which I think was in 1991, which is when I was born. And I watched wrestling for a lot of years in a row. And then this fucking championship scramble was announced. Can we just start off with it? The championship scramble, one of the worst match ideas in history. Whoa, ladies, hold on. What are you talking about? What is this? Why are you being so mean? Ladies, I watched an ECW championship scramble, the opening match. I loved it. This was amazing. I feel like you could take any five guys, put them in this match, and I'm going to love whatever happens. Well, and I do think if this was like 2011 and we had like Hunico and like Kofi and Evan Bourne, it just, hey, we need a random match to fill up 20 minutes of TV championship scramble. Nobody really understands the rules anyway. But I remember just when I was – <laughs> when I was being told when they were announcing the rules to this match, it made it seem like there was going to be 10 title changes in one night. And they were saying it like it was a good thing. Now I know that you look at the belts as like a prop and it's whatever, you know, <laughs> to me, this was like a total, they might as well have taken the belt and wiped their asses with it right after a fresh <laughs> shit. Cause I was just, was like in wrestling, you know, we always talk about how hot shotting the belt isn't a good thing. We, everyone has their own WCW title change video from the year 2000 and that's what I thought this was. They they really let they were really describing it like okay, so and so is going to be champion, and then if they can hold on for this twenty minutes, they're going to leave champion. And then even when they were m making pinfalls, watching it back now, it says current WWE champion, current yes. ECW champion. It's not really explained like oh, this is an interim champion. Like well, no, ladies, let me cut you off because I remember hearing way back when it might even have been from you that all of these individual wins count in like the almanac. So if I buy the WWE anthology. 
Did did, did Matt Hardy win it twice or once in this first match? Yeah, he ends up winning it twice. Yeah, he pins but Chavo. Count? Pins- Do they count? Does the first one count as a reign? That's what. Well, when you go into Wikipedia, the official WWE encyclopedia page, <laughs> it it says interim champions and then it just shows who's like the official champion so i but i do feel like there was a time where yeah they counted but i guess everything in history has been scrubbed this is the mandela effect there was never a championship scramble match and yeah it was bullshit just finding out yeah okay we're gonna switch the belt the ladies i gotta cut you off turn around the best part's happening oh my god (laughs) can we start at the end get that camera on him when i say the best part is happening my favorites you know it's and watching this era back, I did really notice, wow, I didn't like CM Punk very much back then. Like, he was cool as, like, the straight-edge guy, and I liked when he's fighting John Morrison on ECW. But I was super happy when he got his ass kicked here. Again, I wasn't watching. I stopped watching wrestling. Like, the Raw or SmackDown might have been the SmackDown where they were like, you know how Raw's doing that championship scramble? Well, we're doing it too, playa. I was like, what? You stopped watching then? I stopped watching at the Raw SmackDown about five years before this. So I don't know. It took me. I got a head start on you on skipping this one. But I'm glad you made me go back and watch it. Before we dive into what happens later, because we will get to it. Let me defend this scramble match. And while we do that, let's also discuss the ECW one a bit. But first, the scramble concept. Here's why I love it. And I never did before because I never watched it. But now that I watched it, this is what I love. Like, take the Royal Rumble, take the Elimination Chamber, basically any other gimmick match, WWE match, you want to be the last one in. You want your chamber to stay closed till the end. If it's the Rumble, you want to be number 30. If it's the Scramble, you want to be one or two because you have the longest time to get a pin. And I really wish they drove this psychology home by having one of them have no pins because there's the chance no one's going to pin and the champion will stay the same. So if you're Batista, well, let's stick with the ECW one. If you're Matt Hardy or The Miz and you start this you can get it you if you're Matt Hardy you can steal a quick pinfall on the Miz then just play cover up all night just break up pins and I love the idea of wanting to get in a match rather than wanting to stay out of it for as long as you can right and, and that is reverse psychology of the elimination chamber like you said because there is that time limit on it so I do agree that having that time limit it should have done something like even watching uh, MVP coming out in the uh the Smackdown one or whatever he really is like taking his time baby he's throwing his hands up and doing a thing like there there's no sense of urgency that you guys gotta fucking go it's time to go and it just I, nobody really seemed to understand ladies it. Were, tell that to finley because when he came out in the ucw one he was running he, he was beat, ready to go he beat hornswoggle the ring it was time to go all right <laughs> look at this fucking ecw one ladies we start with matt hardy and the miz Right off the bat, I'm wowed by this chick magnet shirt. No, I'm just kidding. The chick magnet shirt's the worst. It's a magnet with the chick, oh, whatever. It's a thick light everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I was wowed by these two performances. And here's why I like this. Uh, going back 10 years later to something that happened 10 years ago, I don't really know what's happening. I'm not distracted by the shitty Raw that just happened, like you were, or the shitty SmackDown, or the context. So I just get to judge every punch, every kick. And you know I don't watch wrestling that way. I always look at facial expressions, entrances, etc. Chick Maddox shirts. But when I watched this event, and it came up again with Maurice and Michelle McCool later, 
I like there behind you. Perfect. I was very impressed with that match too. Seeing these people fighting out of context was too much fun for me. The Miz at that time didn't count to me, just like uh, Shawn Michaels and Jericho didn't. And to see him, I kept, I kept thinking botch after botch would happen. I mean, it's ECW after all, WWE ECW. It's The Miz and his chick magnet shirt and his mohawk. It can't be good. He was flawless. I love his moveset. At one point, Matt Hardy's like on the middle rope ready for a 619 in the middle. The Miz did one. No, the Miz stepped on his back, <laughs> jumped over him, and like went out of the ring and pulled his neck on the rope. We've seen that spot. First time I ever liked it was in this match. Miz looked way better than I expected him to. I loved Mark Henry. Sorry, ladies, I'm getting ahead of myself. But tell me this ECW scramble match uh, made you love scrambles. I have turned on the scramble a tad, but I do think if it would give it had been given more legs or maybe more attempts at it, they could have made it. They could have made it better. Wait, there what's wrong so- then? I loved this. Like I said, Mark Henry came out with Tony Atlas from Legend House. Jesus. But that's cool anyway. That didn't have anything to do with the match. Matt, like, Mark Henry did, hitting a fucking 500 beer hugs. Mark Henry could be my favorite ECW champion in history. Because I don't see Sandman coming out and doing a bear hug. Um, bear what's the word I'm looking for? A bear hug sequence like this. We're talking about a 12 minutes of bear hugs on four different guys. And I Chavo sold it better than anyone. I was very impressed with Chavo, I started to think this is my favorite ECW roster of all time. And I watched the original and it isn't as good as we all think. Tommy Dreamer was there. So if you can take out Tom Dr- Tommy Dreamer and put, out, put in Mark Henry, a guy who deserves to be a champion, a guy with 10 years of investment into him and it's finally paying off. I saw that 2011 Mark Henry come out three years early and I loved it, ladies. Mark Henry was over during this time. I know it's not Hall of Pain, Mark Henry, but when he won, I mean, there was an episode of ECW where he bent a frying pan in half, and I swore I was like, "This guy's the greatest wrestler of all time." Backstory on that, I ladies. I was the, I wasn't there or anything, but I read that that was not like gimmicked like it was supposed to, and he had to really break it. I don't know where <laughs> I heard it or who who I heard it from, but just trust me on it. I think Tommy Dreamer said it on like Jericho's podcast or something. Like the story was, yeah, like they were supposed to get him the fake one, they didn't have time. So he just said, give me whatever, I'll break it. All right, I know I said his name too, but if Tommy Dreamer comes up again, it's not a doubleheader anymore. I'm fucking out of here. No more, (laughs) we're done with that. So no more stories about All In and how uh, TD was involved. No, it's just going to be ECW in 2008, which I agree. I did enjoy ECW at this time. I even still, I always Google, when are they bringing ECW back? Like I'm ready for that third brand that's kind of developmental, but it's also a fun way to get Matt Hardy a, I'm doing air quotes for the podcast, uh, world championship. Did you consider this ECW title? I mean, you didn't watch then, but looking back now, uh, is it equivalent? Is it in the same ballpark as the other two? I was in and out enough to not think Shawn Michaels counted, to not think Chris Jericho counted. To hit, I, always, I always kind of paid attention. And it was also nice to see Randy Orton in the process of losing weight, becoming a Viper. But you asked me a specific question about the ECW belt. No, it was never serious to me until now, until I watched it today. I literally put this off to the last second. And as I watched it today, I wanted that belt. And you know what? You talk about Googling when are they bringing back whatever. I Googled when are they bringing back Matt Stryker. I credit him <laughs> for getting me into this match, into this pay-per-view. Because, again, I don't know the context. I don't know what's happening. But Matt Stryker made sure I knew how much I wanted Matt Hardy to win. And one of my favorite quotes of all time, listen to this. Matt Stryker goes, he called Matt Hardy, quote, Arguably, everyone's favorite wrestler, unquote. So, arguably, Matt Hardy was everyone's favorite wrestler. And I, don't, I wasn't watching at the time, so I'm just going to believe him. And I believed him for that match. 
It is true. Watching it like out of context, you haven't watched any ECWs or Raws, and that's the first thing you hear about Matt Hardy. Arguably everyone's favorite. Looking at it in this time capsule, you have to kind of go, well, yeah, obviously, look at his pants. Everyone loves this guy. This guy's the number one guy. Uh, so I, Matt Stryker, for me, I watch Lucha Underground, and I like him a little bit more now. But WWE Matt Stryker. It is like when you are going to the dentist for the first time. You're a little hesitant, but you know it's going to be worth it in a few years. Like, fuck you, Matt Stryker. I, you always bring up how you kind of like him, but then there's other days where you hate him just as much as I do. Because it is just like no. when you are trying to fish, patience is the key. That impression's too good, because what I love about him is that douchey voice, and I've said this before, it's the voice I use in my head playing 2K18 as when I'm Shawn Michaels at a, doing an interview backstage. I, I'm, I'm acting it out during my match. This is what I said before it. Or when I'm playing Madden and I'm Tom Brady at the press conference. I dive into Matt Stryker voice like never before. And Vladis, he was right about Matt Hardy. <coughs> you saw the crowd when he won. This crowd exploded and there was nothing to explode about. There was no pinfall at the end. It was just an awkward breakup of pins. The cr everybody stood up when this match ended in excitement for, oh yeah, the Matt Hardy song. Does Matt Hardy sing that? <laughs> love that song. And I love Matt Hardy as our ECW champion, Vladis. I give this star, this Match five, four out of five stars. I don't know what Dave <laughs> Meltzer gave it, but I want to know what you gave it, Delitis. Meltzer gave it two and a quarter. I don't know the stars system. What's the point of adding the quarter? I would probably go more on like a one through 10 scale, and I would give this a solid seven. Like I'd watch it again. Uh, I, I found it more enjoyable this time than the first few times I've viewed it. Maybe because I am a little, it is kind of today's wrestling. You look back and go, wow, look at how, look at Miz and those pants and those gloves and look what he turned into. Now we have broken Matt Hardy, even Chavo. I always look back and go, Chavo was way better yeah. than he ever got credit for. So yeah, I would rewatch this again. I know that I hated the championship scramble at the time and it made me stop watching, but <laughs> if they brought it back now, I would almost be for it. Like I can imagine if we had like, you know, we had Cesaro and a couple, you know, Ty Dillinger and Nakamura. You can build a pretty solid championship scramble. We always worry about how we're going to get everybody on WrestleMania. This match takes five guys right in it. I love it. Ladies, now that I know I can add quarter stars, this gets four and three quarter stars out of five. All right, ladies, next we have a tag title match with one of the most underrated tag teams of all time against Cody Rhodes and Ted DiBiase. Wow, I thought you were going to go the other way with that. Crime time, baby. These Jim and I loved crime time because we dip in and out. And I don't know what year they debuted or when they peaked for us, but we never got bored when, until Shad left JTG. As soon as JTG was by himself, leave me alone. As soon as Shad was by himself, whatever, generic big man. Put them together, it's the black HBK and Diesel. And I loved when JTG, during his entrance, would do that fucking balling in between the ropes fucking ride thing. That these guys were the most believable, scary black men in wrestling history. I wanted nothing to do with them, but I also loved watching them. And also, yuck to Cody Rhodes with his chewing entrance. You're less Shawn Michaels than even Dolph. Everyone wants to chew coming out even though nothing's in their mouth. Nothing douchier than a rookie, rookie Cody Rhodes pretending to chew while walking out next to the priceless Ted DiBiase. And how about the <laughs> prince of pro wrestling tights on Cody? I hate these two. I hate All In. I hate Tommy Dreamer. Sorry, I brought him up again. Oh, uh, dude, never going to stop. But I love Crime Time. No, and I enjoyed Crime Time very much at this time. And I remember even, there, I think they're, now this is going to, this is me as a wrestling fan. Their ring, their song might have been my ringtone. I swear to God. I love that. 
that Brooklyn, Brooklyn. I don't know why I thought these guys were so cool. I remember even doing uh, the slam with Joe Poppy. He loved Crime Time. I, he, uh, you would have thought that they were the great. They were his Dudley boys. They were his Hardy boys. Like I grew up with Crime Time. Like this was his team to get behind. And even watching uh, JTG take the beating and really selling and watching Shad on the ring apron, waiting for that hot tag. There was something there. There was something there between <laughs> these two guys. I I really thought for sure that they would have had a bigger and better run. And uh, I mean, not to add on to kind of the the thing that you said, but uh, as heels, I think these guys would have went a lot further. I I think having a bad guy JTG coming around being shady, and then having that big Shad Gaspar to beat your ass down, they would have had a great run as heels. I'm not sure why that never happened. I'm not sure why they broke up. But I loved when Alicia Fox gave JTG a makeover and he was wearing undies. I really enjoyed that. Thought it was a great storyline. And uh, you missed that era of superstars that I didn't. From the chat, Bush did 9-11 says, jury still out on if crime time was racist. Well, just picture if it came out next week. It's the most racist thing of all it's time. It's the most racist And thing. I love and even, it. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, and, and even JTG has made reference to, you know, then you look at primetime players where it's another two black guys dancing and being silly and... He even said, like, Vince McMahon doesn't know how to book black men. It was like his... No, that that's how the... you book them. What are you supposed to do? Make them white guys? No, you make these black guys blacker. It's about turning yourself up to 11, remember? What happened, Mr. One Pant Leg? Turn them, pull them both up. We're turning up you, turn you up to 11. What is, how would you book a black guy then, Valides? I know you didn't say this. Someone else did. But I'm acting like you, you uh, back them up. What's wrong with crime time in the prime time plays? Whoa, should he bark more? Should Titus go back to barking? <laughs> Well, no, the way I would book him is I'd give him little dreadlocks and then I would have him wear a glove and then he would look at his hand and then he would drop to his knee, start shaking his head all crazy and then do some sort of a breakdance move. And after he did that, he would hit a scissor kick and then a, a missile drop kick and the bookend and be uh, he'd be the greatest. That's how you book a black man. Well, you completely forgot the finish it era, the finish it commercial <laughs> in there. That's how you book a black man, Vladis. I would make him say a rape joke about Kobe, then fire him. Well, Vladis, here's the thing about crime time. I want to hear Matt Stryker break down how they had to learn how to fight on the streets. It was desperation. It was life or death. It wasn't <laughs> just a pinfall. So I would love something like that, but we're not going to get it tonight. But we will get a obvious loss. I didn't pay attention to this match because I knew it's the fucking sons of legends versus two street blacks. We all know how it's going to end. But Vladis, a Samoan came out at the end. Whose son was that? Uh, see, and that, that's the only thing I remembered about this match. And I stopped watching wrestling, but when you're an, this was probably my, my most smart time because I had wrestleview.com and I would always be on there. And when Manu comes out, I, I like even watching it back now, it's the same thing. We're like, who the fuck is this guy? He's wearing an awful outfit, number one. He looks terrible. You can make a big guy intimidating. This guy wasn't intimidating. And then Michael Cole, can we get can we get 97 Jim Ross in here, please? Because Michael Cole going, who's that guy? Who's that guy? Like they're pretend they're they're really underselling this guy, already setting him up for failure. We need JR and they're going, that's gotta be Manu. That's gotta <laughs> be Manu. Like somebody needs to tell us who this guy is. Don't go, who's that? Who's uh that? Because then when he puts two boots to Shad and a punch to JTG. And like a, weird, a really terrible beatdown. Suddenly, I don't care if it's Manu or Kane or Curtis Axel. I don't give a shit about whoever that guy was. So th that really annoyed me with Michael Cole was like, can you at least pretend that this guy's going to be somebody, even though we all know he's probably not? 
We need Vince McMahon calling it to go, that's got to be Rosie. That's got to be Rosie. Because I thought it was, ladies. But if it turns out, it's Manu. And now I got to know, I think they even said who his dad was. And now I got to know who his dad's dad was. Son of Offa, I think. I think that was how Ted or Cody, the son of Offa. You know know these kids are with their dads. The son of Offa. If we go back far enough, one of these guys had a title. It wasn't his dad, but it could have been his dad's dad. But ladies, uh, I gave that, I didn't give that match stuff. I only graded the first one because it was that damn good. And then we had a backstage segment with HBK and the Doctor of Ladies. It was the doctor that sued CM Punk. So HBK was all hopped up on z packs You could see it in his eye. So (laughs) 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 And then, uh, so Vladis, they're wrapping his elbow. What happened with his elbow? I never saw it. Was that part of the TV assault that messed up his eye? Why weren't they putting an eye patch on him? There was something about an assault on on the week before where he tore he had a minor tear in his arm. I guess it was a legit injury, but I don't. They really it's it's always tough when they go, yeah, it's a real in- injury, and then Lance Cade is beating it with a steel chair. Like it's really hard to believe. Like oh shit, like this guy's actually hurt. Like even when I remember one time Sean tore his meniscus or whatever, and Triple H is beating the fuck out of him. It's like I don't know if he really tore it, but. If he did, I feel really bad. Like they're really good at drawing sympathy because if you just tell me they're injured in real life and then they come out limping or they have their arm wrapped up, uh, yeah, I definitely am like, oh no, poor Sean. So yeah, I, I definitely don't know what exactly happened, but they definitely made sure to beat the fuck out of whatever it was. HBK sent a message to Jericho before the camera went away. He said, "I want you to tell your kids that that daddy will never." be Shawn Michaels. He said that on Raw, actually. It was like a clip they showed. I love that part. And I thought, tell Dolph's kids that, too. And also, <laughs> how come Jericho's kids aren't tag champions yet? It's been 10 years. And Cody got it when he was like 15, it looked like tonight. So this, surprisingly, ladies, led to the HBK Jericho match being next. And let me tell you why I'm surprised. I had no idea what this pay-per-view was. I thought we were watching a ladder match between these two, and I <laughs> thought the scramble match was before that, and Jericho steals the belt, and in the same night they decide, we're going to hang the belt up instead of Shawn Michaels' wife's sunglasses or whatever was supposed to be there. So um, I, they were typically used to cover the black eyes, so if Jericho got the sunglasses, she had to wear it in public. Oh, what a great stipulation that could have been. Also, the winner is Rey Mysterio's son's dad. That would have been fun. But instead, we decided to have not a match this was some sort of what was it a holds harmless an, agreement an unsanctioned match holds where, harmless agreement Vleeties, is that the term well yeah they both signed hold, yes. hold harmless agreement is that what it is non-hold harmless i love that i don't know i just like the three h's or is there only two of them there it's enough for me yeah well with this what is it with the unsanctioned match because does that mean that every time we have a hell in a cell a street fight a first blood match are these suddenly sanctioned like these ones are okay like Triple H Taurus Quad, a tag match. That one was sanctioned. But this one where we're going to assume that you can use whatever you want, you're going to beat the shit out of them, and your kids aren't going to forgive you, uh, this one we're not going to cover. Well, we're the point gonna... is, Vladis, when that other match happens and there's an injury, we're going to give you a Z-Pack. But if, an, if a match happens after a holds harmless agreement where you get hurt, no Z-Pack. Got to go get your own. And those are not cheap. I know he feeds them to you like Skittles, but that's like $1,000 a pill. CM Punk's bitching over nothing. He's so, the reason the doctor suit CM Punk for $2 million is because he wanted the price of those Z-Packs back. He gave him $2 million <laughs> worth of Z-Packs. It's about, uh, that's a, at least two dozen packs of Z-Packs. But he was just passing out these Z-Packs like nothing. Punk was being ungrateful. Probably wasn't even taking the Z-Packs. And that's why the staff infection got worse and worse and worse. And during this whole trial, if we can get on to CM Punk, 
did we find out he's like a liar? Like he never. No, he's great. Really, he told the truth about all this shit. He cried too. He cried, so we love him. We found out his friend's a backstabbing Jew, which we should have fucking old. He's really a Scotty Goldman in real life. He th- he wants to be Cole Cabana, but he's walking around suing his friend. But Chris Jer- Chris Jericho, CM Punk paid half of Cole Cabana's legal bills. What else do you want? Now he's suing him for like. The other half plus another million. He's now he wants his Z pack money back, like the doctor. Give me I my Z pack. I'm getting or too you upset. Or you just pay me with Z packs. <laughs> I wonder how many Z packs Tommy Dreamer got after he got hit with that fucking kendo stick that time. Right in the balls, dude. That's a fucking. That's at least a trials worth of Z pack. Ladies, this HBK Jericho match didn't have a ladder, but it had blue ropes. Why were the ropes blue for every match? This wasn't SmackDown. I don't know. This was a weird time in wrestling. I think they kind of were doing the inventory. Like, we have purple ropes now. We have silver ropes, white, blue, red. And every show had a different rope. So this was before, like, the white ropes came in. I remember Raw was the red. SmackDown was the blue. Pay-per-view was the black ropes. I really enjoyed that. For some reason, this got blue ropes. The entire show had a blue rope, even though the theme wasn't blue. Like, uh, I remember I was complaining about Backlash this year. Wow, everything was super blue. It was too blue. I didn't like it. Those ropes deserve to be blue. These ropes could have been black. I, I thought the black added a, this is a pay-per-view vibe to it, where these blue ones made it kind of feel like, ah, oh, this is just on TV tonight. You're kind of watching this on sci-fi. My favorite ropes are the white ones, and they look really good in the video games. But believe we also had Lance Cade in the match. Which is when I started paying attention again because I don't like crowd fighting. Too much crowd fighting, which tells me this match got a five out of five like Stone Cold Bret Hart at WrestleMania 13. <laughs> just, just punch each other through the crowd for an hour and you have the best match ever. Stupid. Stupid as Lance Cade. Didn't Shawn Michaels train Lance Cade? Yeah, Sean trained Lance Katie, trained Daniel Bryan, and there's a great, uh, when you if you go to the collections on WWE Network, geez, uh, Lance Cade and Daniel Bryan are like a tag team against Bryan Kendrick and another... Uh, another Shawn Michaels guy. So yeah, he took that time off while he was, you know, with the broken back and not sure if he was ever wrestling again. And he trained some of the greatest of all time, including Lance Cade, who is, is passed away. And every time I watch this or any other Lance Cade or Garrison Cade stuff, I'm always super surprised that this guy already, already passed. Do we know what happened? Every time I look it up, it's kind of like the, well, he's a wrestler, so the details are always super vague. OD'd on Z-Packs. So, ladies, this referee was amazing in this match. Uh, it's, I think it's the only match he ever refed. I think it's Samoa Joe is the ref, some fat Samoan. And he was acting like he couldn't believe everything. And I know every ref does that. They do the spot, the bumps, every bump they react to. But he was getting eye contact with HBK. And like, don't do it. Put the belt down. Sweating, crying. I love this ref. He took a sweet chin music at the end. Papers flew in the air. It was the most amazing thing I ever saw. Uh, but, Vleeties, is this the match you loved or is it the latter match? Because I felt like the reason you wanted me to watch this pay-per-view was because it had the Jericho HBK match that was on your greatest of the PG era or something. So this isn't that match. <laughs> no, you know, this isn't... I love this match. But I think the reason I wanted to cover this is because... It made me stop watching. And it, it, we always talk about when you stopped, like Brock Lesnar, the next big thing, and John Cena, where life is the name of the game. You know, he was just rapping and you didn't like that. For some reason, I was like the biggest smart in love with wrestling. Even in my like getting ready for this, I was, I went to, I look at what happened at No Surrender in September. Why did I stop watching wrestling? Because I was watching TNA religiously at this time. Like, I loved wrestling so much. And then this whole, this pay-per-view kind of came around in this scramble match where we're swapping the belts and 
I was just getting real burned out on wrestling real fast and I had to stop watching. And I still can't, even to this day, the only thing I can pinpoint is like, I was a senior in high school and I just was like, fuck it, I'm over it. Like, it's the only thing I could think of because other than that, like rewatching this pay-per-view, I immediately go, dude, I cannot wait to watch No Mercy next. Like, that's just how, right. that's how this, this pay-per-view was for me. I couldn't wait to see what followed it. Uh, I didn't, I'm not, I wasn't a fan of the scramble match when it happened, but looking back, like we need more of these now. I, I swear, if you give me a U.S. championship match in the scramble at WrestleMania, it makes totally sense. I definitely Don't- relate to you when it comes to falling out of wrestling, but loving what made you hate it. With this pay-per-view and specific- specifically, it has the guys that made me stop watching years before. Batista, Orton, uh, Cena's not there rapping, and uh, Brock ain't there. The next big thing. But B- Batista and Orton were two main ones. When I saw them coming up with Evolution as, like, the future, I'm like, these generic guys, these meatheads, I'm out. It finalized it for me. But now they had kind of years to improve, Jer- and, and Orton's becoming – call, I'm calling everyone Jericho. It's better than calling him Tommy Dreamer. So, but, but Orton is, is slimming down into the Viper. I love it. Uh, we're about to have his stupid uh, – uh, team get together. I, I want to see what happens at No Mercy too, if that's next. But yeah, Valides, the the thing is, when a decade passes, uh, all the angst leaves with the context. Like, because at the time when you stop watching, it's not so much that what's happening is bad; it's that it's not what was happening before. It's because you miss what you quote unquote loved. Now, now when we see what Orton became, now that we know Batista's Drax, now that we know Undertaker fuck <laughs> Michelle McCool, we look back and we love seeing these people come up like the Miz. You see what the Miz turned into? All of a sudden, him versus broken Matt Hardy's awesome. But at the time, we didn't know Matt Hardy would become broken. So who gives a fuck about either one? So yeah, there, when you just, the worst wrestling segment just needs some time to be great. You just got to wait a few years to forget about it. And once you see it all new again, you'll love it. But from the chat, uh, all right, let's finalize this match real quick. So the match ends with Shawn Michaels winning without pinning or submitting. He whips him with his belt, whips Jericho, beats him with the belt till the ref stops the match. Then he kicks the ref. But Valides from the chat, Brian, uh, Declan says from Australia, a guy who was supposed to meet me at my engagement party in Australia on September 6th, a Tuesday, oh no, it was the 4th, Tuesday of uh, this month. He didn't make it, Bleedies, but I had the greatest engagement party of my life with the love of my life. She's pregnant. She's throwing up all the time. She's miserable. But I texted her today. I said, you mean everything to me? And I promise you this will be so worth it. Because next time, Bleedies, when we have our immediate child right after this one is born, she'll be so staunch. She'll have done it all herself, and she'll have me there every second to do everything for her. It'll be so easy. She'll be living uh, the greatest life possible when she's pregnant with Jack number two. But Bleedies, Declan in the (laughs) chat said, Brian Kendrick was so awesome in 2008. How did they ruin him? And I don't know that they did, (laughs) because Brian Kendrick was even better in TNA years later. But... In the next match, Brian Kendrick becomes interim WWE champion because it's the WWE Championship Scramble. Ladies, if you have to pick one of these three scrambles as your favorite in this uh, night, which one is it? I guess it's weird, but the ECW one, I think just the talent that was in that, it made sense when you were watching the show. No offense to all my the Brian Kendrick fans, but... He dra- I, we, I love Brian Kendrick, but just at this time, he really dragged it down for me. I didn't think anybody in here hold, held a candle to Triple H in this, and it just was super predictable. The gold standard was a really annoying time. Like I liked Shelton Benjamin when he – even Shelton Benjamin with his mama was entertaining. So when they were like, no, 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 I'm the gold – you you saw the little promo he got. I'm the gold standard. 
you gotta hold you gotta hold your gold to me. I'm the best. I'm the standard bearer. I I just thought it was so terrible and so shitty that they would put. They, we we always wondered like how do we get these great wrestlers in the ring without having them talk? This isn't the way to do that. Don't paint their hair gold and then tell them to talk in the corner. And MVP coming out taking his time. You can tell he was in like I don't give a fuck mode. I'm not winning this. And this it just this one was my least favorite. Although it kind of had the best ending of like. Jeff Hardy hits the Swanton, then takes an extra long time to make the cover. Meanwhile, Triple H hits the pedigree. And then I love the like just the the meh look on everyone's faces when the match is done. This one was the most like, we're not sure what the rules are. We don't really give a fuck. Whereas Matt Hardy's like trying to break up pins. Will Matt Hardy achieve his dream? The favorite wrestler of everyone here. Like Matt, maybe it was a combination of the announcers. And everybody gave a fuck about ECW, where with this one, I even felt like my phone, I just was like, I'm just going to look at this. This is way better than whatever's happening on the TV, although I did enjoy the gold standard. This is definitely the worst scramble match. The finish sucks. I don't know why you would say that. Uh, <laughs> the last one has by far the best finish, but we'll wait till that, till it happens, because it makes Batista's spine buster the most powerful move in history. <laughs> I love the spine buster. <laughs> it pinned, the, the champion took it and got pinned twice, the interim champion, but we'll talk about that when it happens. For this scramble, I was not even given a fuck. Brian Kendrick almost got me in when he was champion. I'm like, great. Because <laughs> he kind of ran around and you were, but this, th- this was the moment that I, I dreaded as a, as a fan at the time of like, well, now this guy's the fucking champion. So when we're scrolling through Wikipedia, it's going to show me that the Brian Kendrick won the belt at some point. And it's not really, it doesn't count. I'm going to kill these fucking kids. I'm going to give him a pedigree and a, uh, what's that move Jeff Hardy does? But I'm going to take too long to pin. I think Max is going to pin Estelle before I pin whichever one I jump on. Felides, I love these scrambles. Every finish was great. I take it back. But all my notes on this one were three names. Brian Kendrick, Jeff Hardy, Triple H. Because when Triple H and Jeff Hardy start to battle for it, that's when this match got me. That's it, when it picks up. You're right. right. It becomes these two are going to pin everyone else until one of them gets the last pin. I like how they're clear in the ring. They One of them pins one, clear in the ring. It's definitely a Triple H versus Jeff Hardy with some guys around them. I kind of wish Finley was one of the guys around them. But we left this match with Triple H's champion, Vleeties. So you know I'm not going to give a fuck. Triple H is the worst. I love the click and still hate Triple H. That's how shitty he is. I love Triple H. And this, you can even tell with that victory, him in this match, he looks great. He has great body, great look. It's just the most boring version of him ever. He's just, he's SmackDown good guy champion. He's vanilla good guy. There's nothing to him. And when he comes out and wins and then he just kind of leaves. And like, this was, this might've been a time where this might've been one of the reasons I stopped watching too, is just SmackDown did not have, Anything going on? SmackDown would just load up, and it was on Fridays. I didn't, I didn't really watch TV on Fridays, and I just kind of wasn't giving a fuck. So when Triple H is there, it just kind of, yeah, I'm the good guy champion, and he could have been the champion for the next 13 years. Like we could be watching like Raw this, like still to this day, and you could tell me, yeah, well, Triple H is still champion. He's going for San Martino's record. I just believe you. Like, yeah, obviously that's what should be happening. This is when the story picks up after this match, Felidius. Now, the whole time we were talking about that last scramble, I saw The Undertaker getting beat up by Big Show behind you, and I wanted to talk about it so bad. <laughs> the Undertaker looks amazing. Oh, I'll get to it in a second. So we have a 
This is where the storylines pick up. We see HBK backstage again. This is his exit interview. And this is brilliant because it explains why Chris Jericho is able to do everything he does without the guy who hates him more than anything, whose business is not done with him, not interfering. HBK says he's leaving the building, going to see his family, blah, blah, blah. It's the first pay-per-view in months where he's not going to the hospital, so he's going to go home and try to enjoy himself. But... He's not done. If he had his way, he's not satisfied yet. If he had his way, he would do this every night to Jericho for the rest of his life. I love this promo. One of HBK's greatest works because I didn't look at his eye once. Usually when I see him, I look at the eye first. I was listening to him this time. And then we go from this, Fleeties, to your favorite CM Punk moment. So what did you think of the HBK promo? And, of course, we know how you feel about Punk. Yeah, with HBK, I enjoyed this. I enjoyed that storyline when when Rebecca got punched in the face. I was like, "Fuck Chris Jericho!" And then finding out years later, as a nerd wrestling fan, that it was like he accidentally punched her for real. I holy shit! Like I never knew that. And you know, she had the black eye, but you know, it's wrestling. If it's on TV, it's a work. That's what I was always told. So I, I really enjoyed that. And then yeah, going into CM Punk. Like, I'm so glad Manu was there. You know, it just was one of those deals where, like, at that time, CM Punk was just, he was more vanilla SmackDown good guy champion than Triple H, but he looked like the most mid-card. Like, he didn't, he just didn't even look like a wrestler. I, I know I say that, and it, it upsets everybody. He's like, what? Wrestlers come in all shapes and sizes. It's just, he would get in that ring, and it just, you look at Batista, and you look at how Raw was going. CM Punk was great on ECW because they had it shaped as ECW, oddball wrestling, kind of just guys coming up, you know, a different style of wrestling. John Morrison and CM Punk had the greatest string of matches ever because it was believable. So now that he's on Raw, it just was not working. He he just wasn't doing it for me. I was a little upset that he didn't lose the belt. Like, just have him lose the belt on Raw the night before or something, but... Uh, I, I just wasn't a fan. No, Bleedies, we helped him. He doesn't have to lose it now. Durr, don't you know oh, anything? You saved it from the embarrassment. Yes, thank you. He didn't get pinned. Doot, doot, doot. I think that was on something <laughs> else. Was. But that Bleedies, was a doot, 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 yeah. And Bleedies, you told me to watch this pay-per-view like weeks before they did, so it's not... But they ripped us off. But also, Bleedies, I, I understand the frustration at the time when it comes to CM Punk, if you're a fan of him and this happening. But now that we've had this much time, let's admit it was the right call. That CM Punk is the worst of the CM Punks. He's a terrible fucking character. His hair is nappy hair. So, so bad. That hair is terrible. Is it nappy looks the like, word? It looks fake. He's had head all the time. It's the worst fucking dirty hair I've ever seen. And I love the bags under the eyes, but I especially love it when he was a heel. But this character had nothing to it. He wasn't a believable champion. And even though we're trying to make him with the belt... God damn it. How do you watch that HBK Jericho match? Watch that HBK promo that was right before this. And then have the finish happen after, like that unbelievable finish to finish the night where Jericho wins CM Punk's belt. How do you have all that happen and still complain? I mean, this really yeah. made the show better. It saved your boy from getting the most embarrassing clean loss of his career in 10 minutes. You know he was going to get pinned four times in that scramble. Every pin would have been on the champion, unlike the other ones. In every match, they're like, you don't have to pin the champion. In this one, they're like, just pin CM Punk every, all over and over again. <laughs> you, can only, you can only pin CM Punk the easy to pin and look at this jbl's coming out am i supposed to believe cm punk can walk in there with batista in jbl and win <laughs> Get the fuck out of here jbl has bigger tits than cm punk's head you would fuck him up 
So I really liked this segment. I like that we came back to it years later for a WrestleMania payoff with Orton. Right. Uh, I did like we really utilized that. Sh- and also, back, I thought Punk did a good job back there. I didn't get any vibe from him, like, I hate that I'm doing this. I was listening to what he said, like, I'm a champion. You're not. Are you still hurt, Randy? I thought he had a great, nice little promo back there. We're building up this Orton feud years early. I guess there's not a payoff <laughs> until later. It wasn't really, yeah. And I remember going back and rewatching some of this stuff, like, when do they ever fight? Like, it doesn't ever happen. CM Punk just kind of wins money in the banks and just goes undetected by Orton until WrestleMania 27. And I also, we have to care about Manu who just came and we're building this new stable. I loved this. And I know it comes across like the indie guys getting bullied by the professionals. But if you're thinking that you should probably wonder why you're not thinking of CM Punk as a professional. And that's why he's not the fucking champion and shouldn't have been at the time. Felides, we go into a Maurice versus Michelle McCool. Maurice looked better than Punk in this match. I was very impressed with the their moves i just was watching as the miz backstage was this before they were together i bet he was thinking how he's gonna marry his jma one day as he watched that match he was probably super in love at this time undertaker same deal probably back there sitting uh getting ready for whatever was gonna happen with big show and just was like dude fucking michelle mccool is so fucking hot and he's right so i'm with this match uh i I actually like you said i enjoyed this i know that this was during the era of like well the women only get five minutes but they use those five minutes, my man. I, I really yeah. enjoyed this. Out of all the matches, I rewatched this one first. I really liked it. And again, I expected Maurice to look like shit. It looked great. But I mean, she took one of the most, the best bumps of the night. Not on purpose, clearly. McCool, like, <laughs> threw her, flipped her across the ring. And the way, I mean, she took a proper one, but it still looked like it hurt so much. It had the impact of a man taking the bump, and you never see that with women. It must have been Michelle McCool's force of throwing her or something. I don't know. But it led to the – it was the spot that led them to the outside of the ring, and then I blacked out. Ladies, then Mike Adamley comes out. Oh, and I loved this. Not Mike Adamley. I loved the Big Show poll. The Big Show poll really, like, took us off the scent of Jericho. Not that anyone would really – I guess, think of Jericho right away. But if you're watching this at the time, you might start go through going through the roster and you might think of him. But when you have a Big Show poll about whether or not Vicky should have let him in the match or whatever, it becomes like, yo, well, great, now Big Show's going to be in the fucking scramble. So I liked that. Um, Adam Lee, yeah, he didn't even misspeak once. I was surprised. <laughs> I hated Mike Adam Lee. He might have been the reason... Uh, that I that I stopped watching when he I think he announced the scramble match first and when he said it he was celebrating that we're gonna have a hundred title changes in one night so I think that's where it lost me and yeah going into this who's gonna replace CM Punk I, I think they did a great job and the payoff was great I, I like even as a person who gave up on watching for a couple weeks or boiler Ladies, we still have a match or a segment before that. Oh, give me my segment. You're getting into the finish of the match before we even introduce it. Oh, yeah, introduce the match. See, this is a new thing. No, ladies, we got to talk about Vicky. We got to talk about Undertaker. Uh, My favorite part. I told you. I was watching Undertaker behind you, and I wanted to talk about it so bad. Now you're trying to skip it. Sorry, Adam, this is a fake yell. You love really you you don't like Undertaker, but there are times where I can tell you really enjoy that character, that gimmick. He scared you when you were a kid before WrestleMania 12, and uh, this segment was a little scary. I can't fake yell anymore after beating up the TV last week. We're gonna watch that between TWFSs tonight, in case you missed it. I beat the fuck out of this TV uh, a few days ago, or the last TV, and that's why we have this piece of shit in here. But Vladis. <laughs> 
Uh, we have the Big Show poll moment. He comes out trying to get a spot in the match. Vicky interrupts. And this really swerved me. First of all, The Undertaker comes out. He looks amazing. It, yeah, it looks great. His body looks so chiseled. Oh, now I know what Michelle McCool saw in him. And I think you're right. I've, I think me hating The Undertaker my whole life is more of a fun kayfabe experiment where I understand he sells punches well. He ta- he, his moves are okay. I mean, he did punch matches for the whole 90s, but I can admit he picked up a couple suplexes once 2000 hit, maybe even a, even a submission hold or two. So I can respect the man. And the way he took the big show punches in this to the gut, these were, this was the best selling of the night. I believe that these were real punches and that they hurt. Those headbutts, there's, there's one point where Big Show is holding his head, headbutting him and not letting him sell it because he's just holding the head. And I still believe it. Still believed it, ladies. He sold it with his fingers somehow. But uh, the big swerve that got me was Big Show, of course, turning heel on us here, punching The Undertaker right when The Undertaker grabbed Vicky by the throat. Never saw this coming. I couldn't believe it. And Estelle was watching with me, but she missed. This was great. So Estelle's watching this with me. She misses Vicky being mean, so she just sees The Undertaker come out looking scary. Vicky crying, him grabbing Vicky by the neck, and she's like, why is Undertaker beating up a woman for nothing? Who's this zombie coming out to put her in a casket? So everything about this segment makes The Undertaker look like the biggest dickhead, unless you've heard Vicky's voice, of course. Yeah, and that was all it really is. Oh, she has an annoying voice. We hate her. <laughs> and I, But yeah, right, this, this version of Undertaker... Uh, after going back and watching some other pay-per-views kind of recently, like 98 stuff, 97, even or like mid-90s, like Undertaker was – you brought this to my attention once. I'll never forget it. He was never in shape. He just never was. Like him and Kurt Angle at Survivor Series, you just felt like uh, – Kurt Angle looks amazing. And Undertaker's hiding his beer gut with a tank top that's too tight. And now here we are in 2000, like way past what's supposed to be his prime and I feel like Undertaker's hitting his stride here. So yes. when, when we bring up Attitude Era Undertaker, it really is a symbol and a promo. Whereas the 2008 Undertaker looks incredible. Matches are good. And I was uh, like during this, maybe another reason I stopped watching, Undertaker was gone for a few months. So you kind of were missing that. Even though he was just a gimmicky character, he still looked great and he can kick yeah. somebody's ass and have good matches. It really looks like the man's prime. And that is what's so great about, and I hate saying this, ugh. So what's so great about him, but also <laughs> what's so great about wrestling is that if you're just a little creative, you can make a fucking lifetime career out of it. I love seeing these characters reinvent themselves. And then I see a guy like Dolph put on silver pants and be like, well, now I'm a reinvented Shawn Michaels. <laughs> I'm a different, I'm Shawn Michaels version three. No, you're Matt Hardy version two when you suck. So I, I fucking hate uh, Dolph Ziggler. And I get a deal with Jessica always talking about how great he is. She tried to tell me Dolph Ziggler was the sole survivor two years in a row. And I'm like, no, he only sold, he only won one Survivor Series match, and it's because Sting won it for him. Don't give me this Dolph Ziggler shit. It's been five years since he cashed in, and that's when he was relevant. And he was only relevant because we plucked every indie faggot in our, in our audience and put him in a small arena. So, of course, we're all going to have every Dolph fan in one room. Makes me sick. Vince saw through it, and so did I. What were we talking you, about? Well, I know. I was about to say, well, getting into Dolph, like, uh, I know you said the silver pants. As soon as he switched to pants, that was it for me. Like, if you're in undies, stay in the undies. I remember he switched to white boots. I was like, okay, let's see where this is going. He's on. He's got the right upswing. And, yeah, once the pants came on, I saw what you see. I want to be Shawn Michaels. I'll wear the pants. Like, no, dude, you already wear the same boots he wore. Just fucking wear your undies 
and uh, go out there and kick ass. Do a sleeper hold and win with it. World Heavyweight Championship Scramble, ladies. JBL, Batista, Kane, Rey Mysterio with a mohawk, and Chris Jericho as the surprise final entrant. This was amazing. And now you picked ECW as your favorite scramble. I'm also going to. But uh, I really love that ECW scramble. But the one that's on behind you, the one we're about to discuss a little bit, uh, great finish, really good scramble match, really brings this pay-per-view together. And Michael Cole had a quote that I had to write down because it's very childish, <laughs> very <laughs> amateur, and it's very... Uh, it just shows why I don't like the guy. Or and, and here's the thing: at the time, I did. I I was a big Michael Cole fan from about '97 when he debuted until that fucking Jerry Lawler feud into WrestleMania. Because ladies, I believe wrestling, and when he was a bad guy, I was booing with everyone else. But J Michael Cole said about Jericho when he came into the match: Jericho is the most vulnerable guy in the world coming in here. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. the most vulnerable guy in the world. What a fucking phrase. That's worse, that's worse than anything <laughs> Tony Schiavone ever said about something being the worst or best in history in the world. I think I'm a little more vulnerable than fucking Chris Jericho, okay? But um, I, I, my JMA is across the world. She's pregnant. I can't have her. I'm the most vulnerable guy in the world. But um, I love this match, ladies. And like I said earlier, it ends with a... Batista Spinebuster that blew my mind because he pins Kane. Kane's down for three minutes. You would have thought he took a five-star frog splash he was down so long. Jen Jericho rolls in and pins him again. Uh, great finish. Buries Kane or puts over Drax. I'm not sure. <laughs> well, and with, uh, with going back to Michael Cole, you and I used to say he's one of the greatest ever. And going back and watching some 1998 <laughs> Raw. Going in the back world. And watching this I used to say in the world, ladies. And speaking of the world. Yes. Yeah, I've wrestled you know, all over. He, he might be the most vulnerable announcer in the world. And, like, just lately I've decided Michael Cole is the worst, the fakest piece of shit announcer. Just listening to him open up Monday Night Raw in 1998 and you go, why the fuck is him? Why are him and Kellen, Kevin Kelly the first things you hear when you turn into the great, the attitude era, the greatest time in wrestling? Like you cannot wait for hour two to start for the war zone. Cause that's when you get King and, and uh, you get the King and Jim Ross out there who actually care about this shit. Like Michael Cole is such a nerdy. I'm, they really were trying to go, Hey, well, Nitro is like a news program. So if we got some schlubs out here who would have no wrestling knowledge or history and just kind of, yeah, they're reporters. You're like, yeah, those guys are going to be our one. Like I think Michael Cole and like this pay-per-view, who's that guy? I've never seen that guy. Like it's Manu. Let us know who it is. Oh, please. What if Manu is the last guy in? Holy sure. shit. Then I'd know who his dad was. Wrestling would be so much better. And yeah, I like, that's gotta be Manu. And this, this match was, was the, uh, not the best, but it just, it was a perfect way to end the night. And yeah, with Jericho winning and walking out all beat up and Batista looking strong, everything was like watching the pay-per-views after this, this was like the perfect way to end this scramble, perfect way to end this pay-per-view. And, uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed this match a lot more now than I did like I guess well, I guess the first time I watched this was when the network came out maybe or when they just kind of were doing stuff on their website like free pay-per-views you know like uh, they've been trying to do network stuff and on-demand stuff for a long time so I've seen this pay-per-view at least 10 times now and uh, every time I rewatch it I'm always surprised by how much I like Batista 
how much I like Rey Mysterio and how uh, I really wish Manu got a bigger push. I really like Rey Mysterio's Manu mohawk thing he's got going down here. Look at this back body drop onto the ref. Back body drop onto the ref. Oh, no. Remember that from TNA? Oh, ladies, don't make me go to find that video. But yes, ladies, I was amazed by a lot of this pay-per-view. And I would have liked it even more if Manu Maga came out and won that fucking last scramble. But, I mean, he needs face paint if he's going to win it. But I was amazed at... How much I enjoyed. I, 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 you know, we go into wrestling ready to hate it. And if you watch it with the right people or the wrong people, sometimes you can't like it. Like I watched the WrestleMania that had Shawn Michaels versus The Undertaker and Hell in a Cell, or Shawn Michaels' referee with Undertaker versus Triple H and Hell in a Cell. And if I know if I watched that with you and Danny at the time, I would have loved it. I watch it with my brother and Jeff and like people who don't like wrestling anyway right. and only watch it to like be better than it. So I got to hear their snide comments after every fucking thing. Oh, nice facial expression. Oh, he didn't mean to do that. Like everything's a botch just because they didn't think it looked right. Like you don't even watch. You don't know what a bump is. You don't know what a back bump is. Shut the fuck up. Take a bump on the rug, then make fun of the show. So there are contexts where wrestling can't be good. Apparently, this was a context where it had to be great. If you just wait 10 years and watch it, you're going to love it no matter what, as long as you're alone. I have a Mike Adamley poster. I fake autographed it with his name so I could believe that <laughs> Mike Adamley signed it. I loved Unforgiven 2008 so much that I'm ready to dive into 2008, Valides, because this is something we want to do every week. We're going to pick an event and discuss it. I say next week we go to Royal Rumble 2008. We start at the beginning. Let's work through this whole fucking year because particularly with this last match, I thought every guy was on SmackDown. I can't believe any of those guys were on Raw, let alone at the same time. I want to see a Raw that has... Rey Mysterio and Batista and JBL and Jericho. Sounds like the fucking best year ever. So, and also, isn't this the Royal Rumble that had Undertaker versus Rey Mysterio? My favorite Royal Rumble match ever? I can't wait to watch this year with you, Valides. Yeah, we definitely, like, it, it brought back that, it, we always bring up how uh, wrestling is always better in hindsight. And yeah, going back and watching this one event, I suddenly was like, gosh, I really enjoyed this era. And I don't know why. I was so it had to be that I was a senior in high school that I was like fuck wrestling I, I got to be right. cool with this now and because uh, I remember I remember uh, No Way Out 06 when Randy Orton fought Ray to qualify for WrestleMania I ditched my girlfriend I told her hey you can go with whoever you want to that carnival or whatever I am watching No Way Out with Randy <laughs> Orton he's my favorite ever he's going to WrestleMania and I don't care if he's a dick. And so there was this – I just had this blind love for wrestling that just kind of wore off. So when this scramble match was announced, I took it as fuck wrestling. But I really should have went, this is awesome. You know, like I, if I was still in that kid mode wrestling fan, I would have stuck it out and wanted to see it. So looking back at, yeah, the cast of characters, this is the best Jeff Hardy's ever been in my opinion. I need to see the rest of this year. We got to go back and fall in love with it. I love it, ladies. If this was the event that got you out of wrestling and it was this good, 2008 might be the best year in wrestling history. I once owned 2005 box set, and that had John Cena versus Kurt Angle 400 times. A lot of Z-packs for those guys that year. But this is going to be better. And I can't believe I bought a DVD box set. It was my favorite purchase. Now DVDs are obsolete. But, ladies, I can't wait to watch it with you. Um, we're going to take a brief intermission. We're going to discuss the week's events after this. But like we said, every week we'll discuss a pay-per-view. Uh, KevinScampoli.com is the website. If you're hearing this in the future, 
you're going to miss the best intermission ever. Let's say it's five years. Let's say it's 10 years from now, like 10 years from Unforgiven. God, you missed our bet. You missed the 2008 of TWFS, which was 2018. I busted up a TV a few days ago. So we'll have that intermission after we leave. We'll come back, discuss the wrestling of the week, ladies. Um, ladies, don't ever let them force feed you. Feed your fucking self. We are the whole fucking show. How do we do this again? I'm joined every week by the man himself. Yeah, Ryan Van Vliet. I like. I just went with it. I didn't know where we were going because until the day that we die, we are, we are, we are the whole fucking show. People aren't built tough anymore. Little smokies in your butt. Why on earth is Max's hair blue? I actually died of Yeah, blue. It's a bleedy's hair, folks. Jackass Kevin's gonna fuck you. Gonna put hot sauce in his face. Oh, it did my fucking head! How the fuck's he gonna top that? It did my head! You better grab some mace. Oh, oh my god, I'm so jealous! How in the world are you gonna see? Ah! Let alone send out a tweet. Oh, no. Oh, no. Who in the hell do you think you I are? Some kind of star. This is what he does. Well, right you are. Well, we all shine. He's not the moon, not the star, but the sun. We all shine. Scared poly, 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 poly.
makes you feel something. People aren't built tough anymore. They aren't built to grind. They're built weak, soft. They're used to second place trophies. I'll tell you a story, Booker. I, I fought in a tournament and I took fourth place. On the way home from that tournament, I had a trophy in my hand and my dad said, hey, let me see that trophy. And he threw it out the window while we were on the highway home. I don't accept fourth place, third place, second place. I was built to be tough. I was built to last. And I was built to get things done by any means necessary. Cruz also grew up watching John Cena, as you can tell from how thickly muscled he is. <laughs> 